Get ready to quit the build. The QTB crew is rounding up all the gaming news and hot topics of the week with a little extra something. And here are your hosts, Bruno and Nick. What it do? You're listening to the QTB podcast. I'm your host, Bruno, and with me, as always, is my childhood friend and co host, Nick. Bastion Schweinsteiger. Oh, is that the last name of uh, Bastion from Overwatch? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. If <laughs> I said to you, Nick, I'm going to call you, your 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 character, your player's name is going yeah. to be Bastion Schweinsteiger. What sport would you think he played? I'm going to go with hockey. That sounds like a really, really muscular kind of, you know, in your face name. Close, close soccer, soccer. Apparently, yeah, apparently, I mean, it says it evokes memories of the Franco-Prussian War and General Bastian von Schweinsteiger. I mean, yeah, who doesn't think of that when they're thinking of that, you know, who? When you're thinking of that guy, I, if you're if you're if the first thought from your mind, Nick, wasn't Franco-Prussian War when I said Bastion yeah. von Schweinsteiger, obviously we're not connecting on the the history no. level, right? One yeah. of us wasn't a history major, and no. it wasn't me either. So, <laughs> history or sports on Jeopardy, you can just fast forward the category because nope, I'm I'll getting take nothing. Jeff for four hundred, please. <laughs> uh, Jeff. <laughs> or maybe I could take Terry for 800. Oh, Whoa. Tell him about it. Terry, our, our good, good friend Terry is finally on the show. We got and I'm him. excited to announce Terry. Say hello to the people. What's going on, everybody? It's glad to be here finally. Made it. It's been a while. Try, yeah, trying to, you know, try to get on here. Yeah, you know, it's great because we've had, uh, of course, we have that uh, series on our blog uh, where you've traveled all throughout West Virginia and kind of catalog mm. your journey along with your in-game kind of uh, character in Fallout 76. And that's been a big hit, a uh, really, really popular series. I know that your next uh, stop is going to be Harper's Ferry, right? I went there today, actually. Um, took, took some pictures. Um, got, you know, nice. yeah, a bunch of reference stuff. It was, it was a good day. It's hot, real hot. But yeah, he's, uh, of course, uh, anyone, anyone that's on our Discord knows that Terry is kind of our resident uh, kind of mascot there. Uh, on the Discord, he posts uh, the spiciest of memes. Yeah, um, and we, you know, he's a, a valuable member of the uh, the QTB family. So we're glad to, glad to have you finally on Terry. And uh, yeah, a little bit later, we're going to be doing a, a new segment. That's your segment. We've been holding on to this one for a while, um, where you're going to be uh, telling us about a game that you tried recently, kind of an eclectic, out there, interesting game. Something we like to call Terry tries. Terry tries. Yeah, that announcer guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's just going to be that. But uh, yes, thank you. Thank you, Terry, for being on the show. We are super excited to have you finally get Terry on the show and show him the business that is Terry because we them boys. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we say. But yeah, a little bit later, we're going to be talking about that, about the the, the game that Terry has for us. He's going to kind of review and also, we're going to be talking about the new reveal trailer for Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, which is basically just a Nickelodeon clone of Smash Brothers. And I oh, got to yeah. tell you, if you, and a lot of people that listen to our show is, are kind of dialed into that 90s nostalgia. Yep. There's a lot there for you. So we'll get into that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. A little bit later in that uh, very impressive roster that we've seen so far. But first, we've got to talk about what I'm calling Super Mario Millions, because this is such an absurd story. How many times now on the podcast have we talked about memorabilia of gaming, you know, whether it's the Sony PlayStation or the Nintendo PlayStation prototype and other rare games as well, selling for crazy amounts? It seems like the records just keep getting set yeah. for Mama what's going to sell for the most. And it's, Mama Mia is it's, the it's, word. I feel like it's every other, every other uh, or every month. We're basically like getting into something, whether it's a Charizard Pokemon card that's yeah. card that's fetching, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, or if it's a sealed um, Legend of Zelda game. We're always working on something for the for the people out there that still have these sealed games. Congratulations, you've got more patience and organization skills than <laughs> I could ever have. So you yeah. win. <laughs> But what's crazy about it is, and this uh, story compliments of GameSpot. So there was a uh, an auction recently, an estate auction, where multiple games uh, wound up being a part of the auction. 
And what's crazy is that this this copy of Super Mario 64 um, was uh, one of the things that was sold. It got graded, um, and it got graded at 9.8, meaning a seal rating of an A++. This is extremely rare. It's very yeah. difficult to come across something that's in this pristine condition. I mean, just the tiniest scratch, dent, you know, change in climate for uh, any amount of time. Yeah. And you can be looking at a 9.5 tops from what I've seen in the past um, but sure enough, you know, we, we have this absolutely crazy story where initially, you know, when they, when they listed this thing, they were, uh, selling it for a hundred thousand dollars was the minimum bid. You could bid in increments of 5,000. Well, lo and behold, this thing absolutely shatters expectations and ends up selling for over $1 million to be specific. We're looking at wow. $1.5 million dollars. I mean, can you believe it? Like that—that's even considered retro enough that like a pristine copy of that can sell for that much money. Yeah. Well, listen, that's more rings than I think Sonic or Mario could ever possibly coins, (laughs) whatever you want to call them, could ever possibly surmise for for something of this nature. Especially considering it was like what a fifty dollar investment. So like the the markup for for such a thing is absolutely incredible. Uh, Terry, what do you think about this? First of all, did you have Super Mario sixty four like a normal kid, or did you did you have to go over a friend's house and play it? No, I never had sixty four. Um, I had a regular Nintendo, and then I I got into Sega, and then yeah. uh, PlayStation. I had PlayStation for the longest time. Never had okay, sixty four. Okay. I bought one as an adult, and uh, I don't know. I just um, I was more of a PlayStation kid. Well, that's that's fine, but you still have played Super Mario 64. I, I, I feel it, yes. like, yes. yeah, okay, good. I was going to say, I don't want to have to kick you off the show five minutes no. in because you haven't and played Super Mario 64. I, I'm a huge Mario fan. I love playing Mario, but I, I prefer the 2D Marios, um, even, yeah. the, even the modern ones. I was not a huge fan of 3D Mario. Um, just, well, yeah. I, mean, and I understand for, why it's a great game and you know, understand why people love it so much. I get it, but it just wasn't for me. Obviously, for our fans out there who may have, you know, I, listen, if you're living under a rock and you never touched Super Mario 64, it was the first 3D uh, version of Mario, per se. I mean, excluding, I would say, Super Mario RPG. I'm not really counting that in in, in that space. But, you know, as a 3D platformer, uh, it was the first time that Mario had really jumped into that realm. So it was very different. And I got to tell you, they the camera angles in there were were brutal. That was that was <laughs> the game right there. Trying to trying to move the C buttons all over to get what's yeah. his name, Lakita, like Lakitu, like, yeah, Lakitu, yeah. Trying to yeah. get him in the right position. It's like, bro, back yeah. up for a second. Like he would be all up in your grill or nowhere near you, and you'd be yeah. like, Listen, "Where, where are you?" <laughs> I love that he was just like a one-off like character, you know, in the original Mario Brothers. Right, was out to kill Mario. Like yeah. that's what he did. And now, like, he gets relegated to uh, being the cameraman <laughs> for, yeah, for an either, entire game. Yeah, he's either holding the camera or he's holding the uh, the stoplight in Mario Kart. So yeah. that's the other place where we typically see him. But, you know, I Nick, I as somebody who collects video games and has a ton of old video games, I don't even have some of the boxes or any boxes for some of some of the super, you know, or excuse me, from the Nintendo 64 games that I have. Now I still have the cartridges obviously, but when we were kids, we just threw them out. We didn't really keep them. You'd keep maybe the guide or something like that, but the boxes were very flimsy to begin with. So it wasn't like the sturdy case that we have now for PlayStation and Xbox games. Like this was a very, thin piece of cardboard and for them to keep it in such pristine condition for 20 plus years is amazing. Here's where it gets absurd. So they're saying that when they did the estate auction, they found it in that condition and got it graded. They didn't, it wasn't like somebody said, Oh, I'm going to save this copy of the game and hope that it's worth something one day, or there was a collector in that house. No, it was very much (laughs) just what they found. There was an unopened copy. I don't know how that even happens. But like I said, that's that's like how just flash like one in a million shot really 
of something like this ever happening and everything lined up to make Some it grandma happen. called up their grandson and said, uh, I found that game I've, I bought for you back in yeah. 1996. If you still yeah. want it. <laughs> if you still want it. Actually, yes. Yes, I would. Actually, yeah, grandma. Sure, I'll take it. I can at least. And then what? It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a sealed, c- complete edition of Super Mario 64 that ends up fetching you over a million dollars. Wow. Yeah. So what, he, what a find. <laughs> here's where it gets a little bit suspicious. This okay. is this is this whole sale has kind of sparked some some curiosity and even some skepticism because this uh, this company Heritage uh, Heritage Auctions that sold it they don't even have a video game category when they sell things. Mm. Um, so it just got lumped into I guess like electronics or something like that. Whereas a lot of auction places will have a se- separate gaming category because that market has especially collectibles and retro games has just exploded over the years. Yeah. So just a couple days before this game sold, a copy of The Legend of Zelda already set a record. Um, This is on July 11th for $870,000. Yeah. um, When this thing sold, actually it was uh, last Friday on the 9th. So that that copy of it, of the NES version of the game, was graded at a 9.0. It had already set a record for the the highest selling uh, video game ever, okay? Yeah. And then they just come back, same same guys, same estate sale. They come back with this copy of Mario 64 and sell it for $1.5 million. Now, the reason why there is some skepticism here, people think that this may be some kind of effort to artificially inflate the collectibles market, where the people, Ooh. and this does happen sometimes on eBay and beyond, where when, when you reach this level uh, of of rarity, right? It's hard yeah. to put a price on it because just like any any high level art, it's only worth what someone's going to pay for it. Of course, and that's with anything, Nick. Right? Really? I yeah. mean, that goes that goes for all types of valuables. I mean, as somebody whose dad collected uh, baseball cards and football cards and all types of different collectibles, I mean, my dad used to literally have a collectibles shop. He would sell it out of our like I don't know what it was called. It was like a breakfast nook area, but he, <laughs> nice. he yeah he basically like sold collectibles and stuff out of there when I was really really young. And yeah. you're right, like you can pay so much for it, but if you can't find a buyer for it that's willing to pay for something like this, then it's it's only worth what the you know the peak. So it, it's likely that this will never sell for $1.5 million again, you know? And that's, I think, kind of the the thing to remember here is that, you know, if you've got an old video game sitting around and you're like, oh, man, that might be worth something or whatever, keep yeah. it. Keep it. Don't, don't, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously, this is a special circumstance. It was, it was completely wrapped and new. And so, therefore, it's not something that you just want to put on your shelf without some, some protectiveness around there. But, you know, if you've got an open cartridge or, you know, an open game of something and you're like, oh, I might be able to get, you know, a hundred dollars for this, just keep it. You don't need <laughs> to sell it. Like, give it to your kids and let it go up in value or try and find something to secure that type of game so that you can play it later. Because as we know, otherwise you're going to be like Terry and you're going to have to buy all the games again on the virtual console. Terry. How many games have you had to buy on the virtual console because of this? Uh, how, are you saying how many copies of Zelda do I own? Or <laughs> like the original <laughs> Mario? Um, <laughs> Go for all of them, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I also own physical and digital copies of the same game for the Switch. Yeah. Because I like, I like to collect for the Switch. Um, but sure. back, back to your point, I wonder who is bidding on this besides like Soldier Boy? I mean, <laughs> who... <laughs> Who's, it's like all said, soldier who's, point. Yeah, who's who's bidding millions of dollars on the uh, on these games? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you gonna? Are you just gonna let it sit on your shelf? Yeah. Well, that's a, a big anything question. for him to call himself the number one of something. Like he he does that every time he gets on a radio show or a podcast or somebody asks him a question. He's always like, "I was the first rapper to ever be on Twitch," or like, yeah. And it's like, okay, congratulations. I like th- I honestly believe that he thinks that he is the first 
like rapper to ever play video games. Like, <laughs> I think that that's what he thinks because every time he gets on, that's all he talks about. And so it would just get, it would just be become more obscure if Soldier Boy like got something like this. I'm the first rapper to ever play on Switch and oh, Super Mario 64 unopened. What it do? Right. <laughs> you know, obviously, he's never seen the uh, Snoop Dogg clip, so. <laughs> No, <laughs> that's true. Not. See that, or you know, or the fact that, like, you know, Ice Cube and everyone else, you know, playing video games back in the day or anything. Like, no, forget that. No, he they never did first that. One. He's yep. the first one. He's the very first celebrity, even to play video games. I, albeit, I don't think celebrities knew about video games until Soldier Boy came on the scene. So, thank you, Mister yeah. Boy. Thank you, Soldier. <laughs> the true pioneer. Mr. Boy. Well, (laughs) speaking of dubious claims, yeah, you know, this this other article from Kotaku is kind of talking about how the collector scene is looking at this and they're they're very suspicious because everyone was wondering what the first game that would ever fetch, you know, a million dollar price tag would be. And everybody thought it was going to be, you know, an NES game or maybe even earlier, like a, you know, like a mint condition, like specific Atari game or something like that, where, you know, the value appreciates over time. But for the first one to be Mario 64, again, there are some questions of maybe, you know, is Heritage Auctions doing this where they're they're bidding on their own thing to try and make headlines, right? Because now everybody's talking about Heritage Auctions and these two big things. And if they don't have to worry about their own cut and it's kind of under the table dealing, they could intentionally manufacture a headline by being like, let's be the first auction company ever to sell a video game for seven figures. It wouldn't be the first time that something like this has happened. Or, like in the art scene, you can even have problems of money laundering, where someone could be using the sale of something like this to kind of just kind of wash some bills, right? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it's it's surprising, Nick, that you mentioned that, because, you know, if you would have mentioned this maybe um, in 2019, I would have been like, yeah, Nick, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, Heritage uh, Auctions is trying to get their get their name out there and be put on the map because, you know, everyone's sending in um, stuff to be graded. But that's exactly what's happening now, especially because of the pandemic. We've seen a surge in Pokemon card collectibles and Magic the Gathering and all sorts of uh, trading card games that have have reached popularity because they are sending them in to be graded. So you're right in that they might be doing this and trying to position themselves as, hey, we're the we're the company to send in your stuff for video games. Um, you know, similar to maybe how another company grades grades trading cards or what have you. So. Yeah, uh, two years ago or a year ago, I would have said, yeah, that's stupid and silly to to, for them to try and do something like this. But people have started really getting into grading cards and sending them off. I mean, I follow Ninja online and him and his wife are always either opening cards or like sending them off to get graded and then returned. So it's it's something of an. Something of a a hobby for influencers and rich people who can spend thousands of dollars on these niche items that, you know, are one-off things, right? So I don't know the sustainability of something like this. You're right. I don't think that this is something long-term we're going to see video games pop up and continue to be uh, you know, hitting that million dollar mark, maybe Super Mario being that this is such an iconic game fetched that price tag. But you're right. If something like, you know, some random random Ninja Gaiden game, uh, you know, happened to be sealed, that's not going to fet- fetch the price tag that Super Mario 64, which has such curb appeal and universal, you know, um, appeal to it as a game versus something, you know, obscure like yeah. some NES or, or SNES title. There you go. Yeah, I mean, no one will ever truly know. Um, but like we were saying before, it's very subjective, the value of this kind of thing. And um, you know, it, it very much could just be where two people were in that room who had <laughs> yep. had the pocketbook and they were really wanting a mint condition copy of Mario 64 and the bidding war takes off. Right. If only one person's in that room who wants to own that. <laughs> it was just two then, people. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, and that's that, that's usually what ends up happening in an auction, Chad right? You know, Brad most people get priced out. They're like, no, I'm yeah. gonna outbid you, Chad. No, you're not, Brad. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's what happens. Like, and you know, a good auction, like emotions come into play. Where like you know you're on you're on the button like you have this once in a lifetime opportunity. Are you going to let someone outbid you? Or are you going to come back? And this can happen where two people just get caught up in a bidding war where it becomes more about just winning than necessarily about the item that they're bidding for. Um, wouldn't be the first time I've seen something like that. So oh, um, that's not ego for you, right? Am I right, yeah. Terry? <laughs> I just want to bid this outbid this other guy. You don't even own a Nintendo 64. I can't even spell Nintendo 64, <laughs> but I'm gonna make yeah. sure that guy doesn't get it. <laughs> was the uh, was the grading the the main selling point of this? Because I remember with the the original um, Super Mario for the NES, uh, it was a very rare, limited like run early edition of the game that was uh, shrink wrapped instead of had the seal on it. It was like the, uh, the the font was a little different or something. The seal was mm-hmm. different. It was uh, a, a very rare version of that game. Where Mario 64, there's a lot of copies of that out. Yeah, so that particular copy of that uh, NES version of, of Mario Brothers you're talking about, it was a very limited run, and that's where, where a lot of these uh, games can get value is like maybe they, they, they start a printing run of the game and they notice an error or, or it's yeah. not quite right. Um, or they shut it down for whatever reason and change uh, a part out or something that results in like a different colored font or whatever. Or even the seals, Nick, like even yeah. the like uh, game of the year seals, right? Like some of these mm-hmm. games k- later came out, like especially Super Mario 64. Remember when Nintendo would like put that gold, gold sticker on there of like, uh, I don't know, like a million copies sold or whatever. Yeah. You know, the, uh, they, they used to do it for all different uh all the, all the different platforms, Xbox, PlayStation, but you're right. They would change production halfway through. And this box right here is an original Super Mario 64 uh, box. It doesn't have any seal on it or anything like that in terms of a game of the year edition. So you can tell that it's an early edition because of that. But yeah, anything like that where they would change it or there, you know, maybe there's an anomaly on there where, you know, there's, I don't know. Just mm-hmm. somebody messed up. Like it's amazing to me as a designer that a designer's mistake can be worth more than like the, the actual yeah. design that it's supposed to be. Because I know that if I submitted a design to one of my clients and there was something like grossly wrong with it, they would be upset. They wouldn't be like, well, this will be a collector's <laughs> item one day. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just crazy how that works. Right. Where it's just, and it's never anything exciting. It's always yeah. something minor. Like, you know, oh, yeah, this font is a different color. Like with the Pokemon huh. cards, right? That's On a big thing. Where 34, it says Jeebus instead of Jesus. <laughs> it's One to be million Jesus, dollars. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly how it goes. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just very interesting to see how these types of things go. And, you know, it may be a very long time before that record is broken. But, I mean, look, the retro game market and and collector's items are, are here to stay. And, yeah, Terry, also... A 9.8 is almost unheard of. It's an A++. Right. 9.5 is usually where, like, if you want something in what's considered pristine condition, that's what you would get it graded at is 9.5. This is essentially saying that this is the most pristine thing they've ever seen from that era. Yeah. That's essentially what they're saying, that nothing, unless you were to go back in time and physically pick one up from the person, you know, from the manufacturer, bring it back and seal it right then and there. That's the only way we would give this a 10 rating. You're right. That is incredible to see a 9.8 on this. So, So, again, it kind of lends to that. That suspiciousness, that sus feeling, right? Of you're like, I don't know. This is kind of sus <laughs> to me that you would rate it nine point eight, not yeah. just the standard. Yeah. So I don't know. Don't we'll eject see. it though. Don't don't put it in the airlock. I'm gonna take that home. <laughs> I'll I'll deal with it myself. But yeah, so um, Kotaku actually talked to the CEO of Wada Games, the guys who graded this thing, and they say there have been perfect tens, but it, it, the only way that can happen is if it's not only in flawless condition, but it also had to be manufactured perfectly. So a lot of these mm, are okay. maybe nine fives at best when they get off the printing line. Um, there can't be any defects in that process. But what's extremely rare here is what, what they say is they, they receive what's called a factory case pack for N64 games, right? Um, where they get six copies that have not been circulated. 
they, they, they have access to those, okay? And that's the baseline that they use to, to grade all of the other games that come through. Wow. And they've said that even those case-fresh, mint-condition copies, usually only one or two of them out of those six get a 9.8. So already out of the gate, off the manufacturing line, like 33% of them. This is like them. sending the template, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is like, this is the, this is what we use to grade all other Super Mario 64 games. Yeah. We use this as a barometer. And We're going to sell fives. you the barometer. Yeah, exactly. Right. We're selling you the barometer. Uh, very interesting that that, that that is the turn of events. You'd think that they would be more interested in that, but I'm, assu- I'm assuming they took you know, hella pictures of it. And they're just like, well, this is going to be the new standard, right? Of yeah. what we go forward to. It's just incredible to see something from, from our childhood, uh, sell for this price. And just to know that like, you know, there's a, there's a market for nostalgia, you yeah. know, there's, there's a market for yesteryear mm-hmm. and seeing these things, like in the, you know, as they were, it's just, it's really, really cool just because I remember, like, I remember this, this having this box and this cartridge and pulling it out and it's just, it brings back so many feels. So it's great to see, um, something like this just come through. Like, I think as collectors or, or, you know, enthusiasts, uh, we're just appreciative of any time we can see something that was taken so, um, so, you know, that such care was taken for it. Or, I, I mean, obviously of just the organization of somebody to keep it in a drawer and not have it get, you know, messed yeah. up or anything like that. Like, who knows where this thing was? Had to have been in a box or something. But, you know, I mean, just, right. just a crazy story. Yeah, it really is. But, uh, yeah, we'll see if that record ever gets set again or if, if other copies in this condition ever reach this price. But I think that's probably going to be the record for uh, for quite some time, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, we got to keep things moving here. Uh, so we're going to move into our next story. But, yes, of course, meanwhile. <laughs> but, of course, we have to, as always, thank our sponsor, Pierce Unlimited, for marketing media that works and bespoke design to power your business. Visit PierceUnlimited.com. Hit him, Bruno. Okay. Um... <laughs> He, was, <laughs> he wasn't ready. I, I always ask. I, I always, I always tell you hit him. I know, but sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I don't see. I need I these random things, and so it's like, well, what do I want? Do I want new stinger or intense stinger? And Ooh. the new stinger was kind of intense, so I'm. Both. Kind of scared of what the intense stinger would be. <laughs> <laughs> I have to turn if down the volume was, on that, that one. That was the new stinger, Nick. That wasn't yeah. even the intense one. Whoa. Yeah. That's a new stinger. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Um, but yeah, no, seriously, we, we got to keep things moving here. A great story here. If you are a fan of just 90s nostalgia or video games, and hey, that's a great place for our Patreon, right? Because we're all about that yeah. nostalgia with both the merchandise for our patrons, but also, of course, access to the QTB Nostalgia Vault. We're already, we've already talked about 90s cartoons. Now we're talking about 90s video games on the Nostalgia Vault. Oh, yeah. So this is a perfect merging of those two things. We have the reveal trailer for Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. It is a Smash Brothers uh, clone, essentially, featuring uh, all sorts of amazing Nickelodeon characters. Uh, have you seen? Yeah. Oh, that's it. That is not played, but I wish it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, this looks really fun. The gameplay looks very tight, very much an emulation of Super, or rather, uh, Super Smash Brothers. Um, uh, but yeah, what, what did you think about it, Bruno? Uh, I was... I mean, of course, anytime you get to see your favorite cartoon characters from your childhood uh, smack up on each other, it's 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 pretty interesting. Uh, the fact that Nigel Thornberry and Powdered Toast Man are in, man are in there, like just <laughs> hilarious. And like, if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't fart on you at the end of uh, like as like a finisher move, like you know, Mortal Kombat style huge missed opportunity there or like scrape his head, you know, cause that's what he did. It was so weird, such a Very weird strange. cartoon. Thank you, Ren and Stimpy for that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys think about it. Terry, as somebody who, you know, plays Nintendo games, first of all, do you think this is something that can really compete with, uh, Super Smash, or do you think it's just kind of kind of be one of those throwaway games that you know it just has the curb appeal 
of uh, Nickelodeon characters. Uh, it looked really good. I watched the uh, trailer right before uh, getting on here, and uh, the the set designs look amazing. Like they're interactive. They're uh, yeah. they look like they're well um, laid out. Uh, the character moves look really good. Um, especially Patrick. Patrick's uh, move set looks looks great. Um, <laughs> I love the sumo slam that he had. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the uh, the ice cream cone, it's just so much like little nods there to uh, to the franchises, and uh, yeah, it looks great. Um, with the the online play, I saw that it's going to be available for both um, the PlayStation, Xbox, and uh, also the Switch, and I'm sure it's going to play much better on the uh, Xbox and and PlayStation. But the Switch online uh, is a little rough at times. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it'll be great. I mean, there's other brawling games. Um, was it Brawlhalla is another one. Yeah, um, I tried to play that, but the problem with Brawlhalla is there's, uh, I don't think there's like a really good matchmaking system in there at this time. And so it's one of those things where you have to have people to play with, or you're joining in with, you know, as a, as a, I think it's like a solo one V one. And you're like, well, I'm not really ready to jump in one V one. So hopefully my hope is that with, and this goes for any type of brawling game, right? That like this, that you could have a, a nice pool of characters um, and players to play against. Right. So they got the characters like that. So now I want to make sure that like the player pool, when I get online that we've got like a match of four people that are playing or um, you know, because they, and that's the thing they, you know, the, all the, the, the video uh, trailer shows is like, you know, three, three or four people playing it up and having fun. And it's like, if the matchmaking or, uh, you know, the player pool isn't robust, then it doesn't matter how fun the game is. You're going to be sitting there either playing with people who are way too good at this or the people that, you know, use, uh, that used to use uh, freaking, what was it? Ness all the time. And used to use that lightning bolt thing to strike his butt. To get him back mm. up on the platform. Oh, I right, right, right. Stand that, bro. PK Lightning, right. Yeah, <laughs> no, you know, PK, PK Thunder, Thunder, that's right. PK yeah. Thunder. <laughs> PK Thunder. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's it's so funny because like people are already like drawing comparisons to Smash Brothers. Um, well, of course. About how, how like, could you not? Like, oh, Patrick's gonna need a nerf, or like, oh, the loud house is gonna be the fire emblem of uh of Super Smash Brothers, where like they release <laughs> way too many characters from a franchise that, that most no people don't about. like. Yeah, yeah, no yeah fire like nine fire emblem <laughs> characters in Smash, and like the loud house has two characters already. It's just funny seeing these uh these these very funny comparisons, I think. I think this game looks very good. Um, I, I love the variety. Like I said, if you are a fan of Nickelodeon of almost any age, there's going to be characters so far that we've seen yeah. that are going to be in your wheelhouse. Yeah, you've got uh, uh, someone from Ren and Stempy. You've got multiple SpongeBob uh, reps. You've also got, of course, Nigel Thornberry, which, by the way, if he doesn't say <laughs> smashing... <laughs> Smashing. <laughs> oh, I thought you were at some say, point. If he doesn't go on the microphone with his hands, yeah. then I... <laughs> I mean, we need that too for like a victory pose, right? This yeah. game's winner is Nigel. Yeah, but I mean, and also, hey, Arnold, we got Helga. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reptar from I want a Rugrats. Patty, Are you... Why isn't Patty in yeah. there too? Like Helga right. and Patty, or, yeah. or even um, what was his name? Uh, Harold. Yeah, Harold be a brawler. Yeah. Or um, right. I'm going to pull this one out. Wolfgang. Do you remember him? He was the fifth grader. Yeah. The, that had the Cobra shirt on. Yeah. He was the, the cool kid. Yeah. Yeah. He was the, he was the cool kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I want to see more characters for sure. And being that this is a Nintendo game and they can, um, I mean, obviously pull from these, these IPs at, at, at will, then I would expect we should see more uh, in the pipeline coming, you know, coming through for these characters. But yeah, it did look really good. Uh, I I liked the you're you're right, Terry. To you know, piggyback off that, the set design for it looked really good. You know, we got to go on the rooftops of of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles level, and then we were under the sea uh, with SpongeBob. So and and the lighting effects on all these were really good too. It didn't look very flat, like. 
it looked pretty dynamic for uh, for a brawling game of, of this nature. So uh, I would definitely say this is this is going to be a fun. I, I want to see a demo, obviously. Definitely want to see a good demo of something like this. But who doesn't like a good a good beat 'em up? And and you know. We just hope that we just want, we want, I want a lot for it. Like I'd like to have some type of story mode where you could kind of play similar to smash brothers, where you could play solo against each character and kind of yeah. unlock them. That would be pretty neat, you know? So, oh, yeah. uh, th these are simple things I feel like games can add to really, you know, deepen the, the content that they provide. And it shouldn't be that hard, right? Like right, it shouldn't so, be that hard. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, the, it's a really great roster so far. Um, the only concern that I have is that Nickelodeon games tend to be rushed, um, and they tend to not really get into the voice acting side of things, which makes it really hard uh, to feel like you're playing the character that you you grew up with or that you you're fond of. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, like racing games or just any kind of Nickelodeon branded game very much has a tendency to either not use the original voice actors or not use voice actors at all. I was going to um, say which, either that or they just pull yeah. clips from the actual show. Correct. And you're just like, this has nothing to do with, you know, they're like, food fight! And you're like, okay, <laughs> so I love that, but this, yeah. they're racing around a track and there's no food in sight. Why does he say that? <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah, that that's happened before too. So um, there definitely is that quality concern. Um, you know, Now, we have seen something similar. Cartoon Network released a game back in uh, 2011 called uh, Cartoon Network Punch Time Explosion, which oh, was very much a Smash-style brawler game, and it had you know the classics, Johnny Bravo, that kind of thing, um, that all showed up. And it got great reviews. It was actually very, very much a success. So I think they can they they can land something. I just hope that they follow the Smash formula of of having a steady feed of DLC and reveal trailers for them and build hype around the yeah. characters that are being announced so that we know that everything that we're getting day one isn't everything that we're going to get. Yeah. That's such a great way to keep people coming back to your game. I, I, I hope this is something that gets more support. Now, uh, Terry, my question for you is, you've seen the roster. Mm -hmm. Who, if if you had to pick one Nickelodeon character that's not on the this the initial roster we know so far, who would it be? Mm. Pork chop. Nice. I love that pool. I yeah. love that pool. Now, Terry, I was gonna I was gonna ask you. I feel like you might have been more of a Cartoon Network kid growing up. Now, which and of the three camps? Disney, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network. Which were you spending most of your time on? Um, probably Nickelodeon. Um, okay, right on. Yeah, but I was more into the live action stuff, like Are You Afraid of the Dark, or You Can't Do That on Television. Like Legends of the of, Hidden Temple. Of the, yeah, like oh, that kind of stuff. The, yeah. uh, the cartoons were, I guess, just a little, I was maybe a little bit too old for those, but they were still really good. Like Ren and Stimpy, I mean, they got some of the older stuff in there. Definitely watch yeah. that. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, John, or was it, um, yeah, I mean, it, Nickelodeon was most of the stuff that I watched. There you go. I want Tito from Rocket Power. How about that? Oh, man. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I forgot about Rocket, Rocket Power. Power. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a cool show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Seeing some Rocket League uh, would be really cool in there. I liked, uh, I liked the appearance of Reptar. Uh, I mean, he's so a great. favorite, right? You know, so yeah. so great of that. Although having a Rugrats uh, character in there would be awesome, but like not not just one of them, but like all of them, and they work as like kind of like a Transformer Voltron baby. Okay, you yeah. know, and they just they load like babies assemble, and then they a become like babies. a giant baby. Yeah, yeah, and they just like tackle you and stuff like that. That's what I want for that game. I mean, literally, developers, if you're listening. Voltron baby of Rugrats. That's <laughs> what the game needs. If you can produce that, you've got a triple A title That's on it. your hand. That's all you need. Voltron baby. Yeah. Voltron baby. Okay. Duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bruno, we have got to get into uh, our first time ever airing this segment. We've been saving it for a while. Like I said, this brand new segment where we're going to let uh, Terry tell us about an interesting and unusual game he's played. It's a little something that we like to call Terry Tries. Hit him with that stinger, Bruno. Terry Tries. All right, Terry, what do you have for us today? Well, you guys know that I, I enjoy playing weird games. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, I've, I fight crab, uh, gal gun, battle chef brigade, Nippon marathon, 
Like there's those are the type of games that I enjoy. Just the weird stuff. Tentacle typer. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> amazing games. Uh, sometimes I get burned on these. Sometimes, uh, you know, they they're just amazing. Um, the game I played recently, I saw it on Steam first, and I put it on my wish list. And I was going through the uh, Nintendo eShop the other night, and I saw it on there as well. It is called Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Ooh. Oh, boy. Yeah. And at first, just looking at the title, I thought it was like, you know, Papers, Please, or Death and Taxes type game. But no, it is uh, it's a Link's Awakening type game. It's a Zelda game. Shut up and um, take my money. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pixel art game. It is super cute. Um, the, the art style is great. Um, it's developed by uh, Snoozy Kazoo and published by Graffiti Games. It came out in October of 2020. So it's been out for a little bit, but uh, I think it flew under the radar uh, it got a lot of really good um, uh, ratings on Steam. It got 10 out of 10. has a 75% Ooh. Metacritic. Um, it, it's, it's you know, overwhelmingly positive in the uh, reviews. It's uh, it's 15 bucks. It's not that expensive, um, but it is a short game. It's about two and a half, three hours to 100% it. Um, something you can sit down for an evening uh, and really enjoy it. Um, so, it's like I said, it was like a Link's Awakening type game, you know, a Zelda game. Uh, you collect items and deliver them to other people. You know, people ask you, know, I'll go get this for me and I'll, I'll do this. You can unlock new areas that way. And that's how you kind of progress the game. Um, you uh, are trying to uh, get stuff for the onion mare. Uh, everyone in the game, by the way, is all vegetables. <laughs> awesome. uh, you play as a turnip. There's carrots. It's great. There's, um, there's a pickle gang that's... Um, that's the pickle lo- gang? Yeah, oh, man. They're, they're locked in the jar. And uh, yeah, you, you, oh, they try man. to get you to break them out. You need um, a good grip. Get that open. Yeah. You got to break yeah. them out of the, instead of breaking them out of the clink, you got to break them out of the jar. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and these, uh, these vegetables, you have to go into a certain area. It's a, it's a refrigerator and, um, they, they have these really long life and no one knows why the, the longevity of these, uh, these vegetables, but they live in the fridge. It's just a mystery to them. Um, <laughs> It's the secret of life. It's like a cryo chamber for them. Yeah, <laughs> it's revitalizing. Come on in. It's like the newest uh, wave in uh, LA, right? Where you just like we're gonna go into this uh, to this tank, and it's negative two hundred and twelve degrees Fahrenheit in there. Yeah, you're just totally gonna safe. hang out there for uh, I don't know until you can't stand it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just push this button. Yeah, you live longer. <laughs> Definitely. I've yeah. seen it, man. I've seen carrots. I've seen carrots. Two hundred dollars per session. <laughs> now, Terry, I have to ask because just the title of the game takes an incredible turn right away, right? Like Turnip Boy. That sounds fun. Yeah. But then yeah. he's he's committing tax evasion. So what is like the objective of the game to like not report your Bitcoin profits? So the uh, the Onion Mayor, he uh, he steals your house out from underneath of you because you've you've been avoiding paying your taxes. Oh yeah, you go through the game. I feel like this is a. I feel like this is a very personal story from one of the developers that we're (laughs) about to hear. (laughs) Kind of like Animal Crossing, where you know you just you owe this raccoon like so much money, Um, (laughs) (laughs) and you spend the whole game just trying to pay him back. Uh, But this this turnip boy, he does not care. He goes around, he finds receipts that have taxes on them, tears them up. Every document you find in the game, it has an option to read it. And then an option to tear it up. There is no other option. You have to, you have to rip up all these documents. He just goes around and just tears it all up. And um, there's actually a couple endings to this game, depending on how much Ooh. tax evasion you commit. <laughs> uh, if you 100 You're going in the pickle jar. Yeah, if you find all of the, uh, the, the tax slips and all the uh, documents and you rip them all up, there's a secret ending. And I would say it's the true ending. You really need to do all of it to, to see the end of this game. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Um, that sounds amazing. It's like, I mean, you know, tax evasion. So for our listeners out there, although we joke light of this, I'm going to be on the real with you. Tax evasion is how they got Al Capone. They didn't get him for anything else that he did, like, you know, all the all the the crimes and the murders and the being having syphilis uh, that's not a crime but he did have syphilis uh no it was tax evasion that ended him up in alcatraz and i've been there and it's awesome and i wouldn't want to live there or uh you know have to be like stationed there because you know yeah it's scurry (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just that's such a great idea for a game. I love I love games that subvert expectations with the plot, right? Where you're seeing like a cutesy name, and like when I hear Turnip Boy, I think, oh, that's gonna be. I I, I can definitely think like pixel art when I hear of something like that, mm. but for it to have that kind of plot that's just so yeah, it has so like a unusual. Valley type uh, feel to it as far as the yeah. art style. But you say, talking about subverting this game, just takes it up a whole another notch too. Towards the end, once you start learning about this, the lore, it, it takes a dark turn. Um, like I said, the, the mafia is involved. Um, there's there's uh, yeah, it's a uh, nuclear <laughs> fallout. Is there's like a there's a reason you're playing See, with I all these vegetables. See, I told you the mafia would be involved. <laughs> Al Capone. He knew. It, oh, I, I knew it was coming. Like, you can't be involved <laughs> in tax evasion without knowing somebody in, in the mob. That's just how it rolls. Old old Tony Tony Knives over there. You know, they always Tony got like knives. Tony, Tony Four Fingers because he's only <laughs> got four fingers or or Bobby Bananas over there. Why? Because he likes bananas. There's no other reason why. <laughs> why are you reading so much into it? What's the matter for you? <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. said in a tracksuit. <laughs> In a tracksuit with the yep. hamburger meat out and the gold chains are flowing. <laughs> yeah, buddy. So, all right. So, Terry, I mean, overall, what would you, if you, if you, I don't know, we, we have like a Terry metric. How many Terry's would you give this out of five Terry's? How many folds would you give this? How many Terry <laughs> folds would you give this? Out of five. <laughs> uh, I would have to say a four out of five, uh, just based Ooh. on the length. Uh, 4.5 folds. Yeah, uh, 15 bucks. Um, it's only a couple hours. But uh, it's really good, and the the story has a nice twist to it. Um, you're, you're definitely going to enjoy um, playing through the game. And both of you guys are musicians, and I would like to point out that the soundtrack for this is amazing. I kept going back to this one area over and over again just because I like the soundtrack. All the different areas nice. have different tracks and themes. And um, the end credits are just amazing. It's like an acoustic um, song they play at the end. And I, I, this is the first game I really enjoyed watching the credits at the end. Um, they even, and in the credits, they even get a shout out to all their cats. That's one of the uh, the <laughs> the list that. of like special thanks. You know, programmers, you know, play testers, and then it just says cats, and it lists all these <laughs> all their cat names of all the uh, the uh, developers' cats. So yeah, I it's, like uh, that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's I, I, yeah, four out of five um, would would play. All right, very good. So yeah, there you go. A little boom shakalaka. <laughs> yeah, that's a boom shakalaka. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for that game review, Terry. That's really fun. Uh, we definitely got to do that again sometime. Um, and yeah, to our listeners, make sure you can you can check out Terry's articles on quitthebuild.com slash blog. He has three entries so far as of this recording in our in his Fallout 76 travel series. Um, even if you're not a fan of Fallout 76, just a great, very cool way for him to go and actually visit locations in West Virginia. Definitely. It's been really fun to follow so far. I think you've had some really cool adventures. I thought that that last trip there with the uh, the Palace of Gold, right? That yeah, was that was a really interesting I've always wanted to stop. Visit, even before playing the game, it's just West Virginia has so many cool hidden gems uh, to explore and, and find, and and Fallout seventy six was just one way to uh, to highlight those. Well, yeah. I mean, it's also just great to see how the developers. Um, did these places justice and then, you know, I would say even made them better, right? Like mm -hmm. some of them just like in, you know, in the video game aspect of it. So yeah, really great articles, loving them so much. It's been, audience loves them. And yeah. Thank you, Terry. is not too far away, so they, they had a right? lot of opportunity to go and, and, and visit these locations as well. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Now, Terry, are, you got I, I was telling Bruno about this. How you you basically got the pepperoni rolls in Fallout seventy six, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I was um, at a party and we were all hanging out. We're talking about Fallout seventy six, and one of the people that was there at the party uh, works at Bethesda, and I was talking about pepperoni rolls and how just historically and culturally they are significant um, to West Virginia culture. Um, that's a whole other story and itself, but. Uh, Talking about just pepperoni rolls and how cool they were, it would be in the game if they were in the game, and uh, nothing was ever said else. Um, and then later on, I find out pepperoni rolls are in the game. Oh, that's kind of cool. And I uh, was later told that uh, my input was one of the reasons why they they were implemented in the game. And I just thought that was really awesome. That. 
That is awesome, right? Because you're right. I mean, and that is one thing that West Virginians are fiercely proud of too is pepperoni rolls and for those of you out there that want to make your own pepperoni rolls all you got to do is grab yourself some crescent rolls some pillsbury crescent rolls and a few pepperonis roll those bad boys up and throw them in the oven and you've got yourself a pepperoni Mm. roll you can also throw some cheese in there have some marinara dipping sauce on the side whatever you want to make it your own, but that's it. It's pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, I when Nick mentioned that, I was like, okay, that's it. We got. T- that yeah, I was is, floored when I was told that you know I was one of the yeah. contributing. Oh, reasons. I would yeah. be speechless. That's crazy. <laughs> that's yeah. You, I mean, listen, I we I'm hoping that one day we will contribute to video games. The the F1 2021 game just came out. And they had influencers kind of giving their take on the story mode, you know, the faux story mode um, that's that's in the game. And so there was like a Twitter feed that had like, you know, all of their their thoughts and whatnot. And I was like, oh, man, how cool would that be to eventually have QTB up there giving oh, their yeah. thoughts on the latest whatever game that that happens to use that. So that's a big honor, Terry. Uh, it might not be an eight hundred thousand dollars Super Mario sixty four, um, <laughs> but you will be forever remembered in our hearts as the guy who got pepperoni rolls in Fallout seventy six. What did do? That's what we're talking about. Yep. Well, as always, we got to thank our uh, our Patreon supporters. Like uh, Nick Nick, Epic Capture Productions, The Dudist Monk, and Indie Gamiacs. Hey, if you would like a shout out each and every episode, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash quit the build. Tiers start as low as $2 a month. Every tier gives you access to our QTB Nostalgia Vault, and higher tiers even give you access to our exclusive Pierce Pop Art Vault uh, merch that you can't get anywhere else. How about that? Bruno, tell the people what you got. Well, you know, as always, Nick, you got to follow our socials, which you can get there by going to quitthebuild.com, heading over to the community page, and then you'll find links to our TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, you can chat with Terry more on Discord. What it do? That's where he lives. I'm always on Discord. He's always on Discord. So, I mean, we're super, super thankful for all the the community members that we have all of our listeners who help us um just with support right like that's what this is about your support means everything to us you know i feel like one of those pbs stations at the end when they're just you know talking about this is this is the news and we're very thankful that your support helps continue to provide awesomeness <laughs> give away tote bags next Man, you had that. You had that ready to go. Oh <laughs> the man, tote bags. I don't, listen, yeah. I don't. I don't. You know, I. Okay, giving away tote bags is one thing, but that's usually what we give away. The people is today when we receive the gift of Kool Aid. How many food now groups available in all five food groups? Red, oh. orange, green, blue, and turquoise. Ooh. Oh yeah. Because you always need more Kool-Aid. Uh, always so need true. More. So true. Oh, oh well, we are available wherever podcasts are heard every Saturday and Wednesday with a new episode. Just search for Quit the Build and you're gonna find us. Until next time, for Nick and Terry, I'm Bruno. And for Bruno and Terry, I'm Nick. Peace out. What it do.